0: Our gospel reading tells us to repent and believe in the good news, and this is timely advice for this first Sunday in Lent. Did you know that Lent means springtime? Maybe not today, but this afternoon it'll be looking more like springtime. It's the springtime of our life in the Spirit. Lent is a special gift of God to his people. It's an opportunity to imitate Jesus as he fasted 40 days in the desert. As we enter into Lent, I'm reminded that this time last year, I was exactly where our gospel reading takes us, beside the River Jordan. I felt very fortunate to be part of a small group of pilgrims adventuring in Israel, literally following in Jesus' footsteps. As Reverend Marilyn said in her sermon last week, It was amazing to think that you're walking in the same places that Jesus walked, looking at the same hillsides and standing in the ruins of temples where he might have preached. Every moment of the pilgrimage was enthralling, from waking up to see the sun rise over the Sea of Galilee, hiking up to the Mount of the Beatitudes, visiting Capernaum and Massad, floating in the Dead Sea, and then finally Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Seeing all of these places and realizing this is where Jesus walked. This is where his disciples fished. We even saw a boat excavated from biblical times. For me it was a wonderful, transformative experience. It was spiritually nurturing and really well-timed as the trip finished just before Lent of last year. Today's reading takes us to the banks of the River Jordan. Now let's talk about the River Jordan. It is not the beautiful flowing river you might picture for this baptism story. We're told that baptisms then usually took place in the wider mouth of the Jordan River, close to where it flows into the Dead Sea. This would accommodate the crowds that would walk into the water to be immersed. Today, the river is probably much narrower than it was in biblical times, and it has very muddy banks, and the water is really smelly. Maybe boil it before using it for baptisms today. Our little group did venture down its banks to gather some water for baptismal use, and let me tell you, The sinking mud on the banks has probably claimed more than one pair of pilgrim shoes. Today I wonder what Jesus' baptism was like for the onlookers to experience. As you probably know, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin and he'd already preempted this event by saying to his followers, someone more powerful than me is going to come. I'm not good enough to stoop down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here was this wild man dressed in camel's hair. He had a leather strap around his waist. He lived in the desert and ate grasshoppers and wild honey. But John must have been a really compelling preacher because we're told that crowds of people came to him from all over Judea and Jerusalem to be baptized. They would have been immersed in the River Jordan, probably many at one time, but Jesus' baptism stands out. It is highlighted and glorified by God, so there is no mistake. Here is the Son of God. The heavens are torn apart and the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. The crowds actually hear God's voice from the heavens. Can you imagine? They must have been awestruck, perhaps afraid. But now they are told who this is. Now they are probably expecting great things from their rabbi, who has been identified as the Son of God. Perhaps their teacher will now lead them out of persecution by the Romans. Perhaps now they can rise up and revolt against this oppression. But no. Instead, Jesus is instructed by God's Spirit to go into the desert for 40 days. Not exactly what the crowds were hoping for, perhaps, but that going into the wilderness is so important. It's a theme that's underlined and repeated so many times in the Bible. It is the going down, the loss of self, that is needed for renewal and rebirth. Wilderness serves as a common metaphor for a space or time of confusion, transition, or growth. I'm in the middle of reading the most compelling book about exactly this subject, Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. It talks about the troughs, the downs, that we all have to navigate at some point and how they can lead us finally upward to a new understanding or a new way of life. His book zeroes in on how the first half of life is often a preparation for the second discovery part of life which, as a spiritual journey, can be illuminating and rewarding. He writes, If change and growth are not programmed into your spirituality, if there are not serious warnings about the blinding nature of fear and fanaticism, your religion will always end up worshipping the status quo and protecting your present ego position and personal advantage as if it were God. Going into the wilderness is often a metaphor for the time out we need to recalibrate our spiritual lives. It actually might be something as straightforward as consciously observing your own Sabbath. Definitely a plug for Rector Whitney's Keeping Sabbath Talks. What will that look like for each of us? Is it detaching yourself deliberately from phones and email and perhaps television and radio news for a quiet day of inner reflection? What a generous gift to give yourself if you're able to do so. In this world of technology, a whole day of peace, calm, and quiet might be exactly what's needed. Or in this time of Lent, maybe you've been called to do more. Perhaps a time of fasting or abstinence. What does that look like? Could it be 40 days just as Jesus experienced in the desert being tested by Satan? The wilderness of the Bible is a liminal space, an in-between place where ordinary life is suspended, identity shifts, and new possibilities emerge. Through the experiences of the Israelites in exile, we learn that while the biblical wilderness is a place of danger, temptation, and chaos, it's also a place of solitude, nourishment, and revelation from God. These themes emerge again in Jesus' journey into the wilderness following his baptism, therefore tying his identity to that of his Hebrew ancestors. The wilderness has many functions. It serves as a place of barrenness and hunger, a source of nourishment from God, a location for God's testing and revelation, and a context for the transformation of God's people. Today, we may not necessarily need a wilderness experience, but making just one little change in your spiritual practices at this time of Lent might be something that brings new meaning into your faith journey. Many people today adopt a diet and have a regular program of physical exercise, and many are beginning to discover the value of a spiritual exercise as well. The difference, of course, is that contemporary exercise and diet are usually self-centered and focused on the physical, while the discipline and self-denial recommended by the church are God-centered and focused on the spiritual. Self-denial is a valuable way of remembering that there are few things we truly need except God. Spirituality is not a matter of individual Christians coming together for occasional worship, but of a church whose members find their center in common worship and go out to serve according to the gifts and opportunities they are given in daily life. Our role is serving God both in the church and in the world. The church, our prayer book tells us, is the body of which Jesus Christ is the head and of which all baptized persons are members. And this is what links us to today's gospel story. we be being baptized as Jesus was. Our baptismal promises forever link us with the risen Christ. When we also see that all the roads of Lent lead to the renewal of our baptismal promises, we understand that a good Lent does not merely mean that we've confessed our sins and have been faithful to our Lenten practices. During Lent, we can prepare for one of the greatest moments of the year, the renewal of our baptismal promises. This renewal is so important that the church offers this opportunity on the greatest day of the year, Easter Sunday, when we read, pray, and study God's work during Lent, We're not merely reading for information or inspiration, we're reading to grow in faith, for faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. With our faith growing deeper, we are preparing to make the greatest act of faith, the renewal of our baptismal promises. If the Lord has his way, the renewal of our baptismal promises on Easter Sunday will be the greatest act of our faith lives even if we previously have totally committed our lives to the Father, Son, and Spirit, this Easter's renewal of our baptismal promises should not be a rerun. The love which God has poured out on our lives since last Easter should bear fruit in the deepest expression of faith in God that we have ever made. How wonderful if our Lenten journey can lead us toward renewed confidence in the good news of our risen Christ. I'm walking with you on this journey. Amen.